Welcome to Time in the Market, a podcast that profiles investors and their journeys. Time in the Market is brought to you by Shareholder Vote Exchange, the world's first marketplace for shareholder voting rights. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment advice. Please enjoy the show. Hello, hello. My name is Steven Zhu, and welcome to the latest episode of Time in the Market. Today, we are ecstatic to have Cody Berman from the Financial Independence Show podcast on. Uh, Cody, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your podcast and your co-host? Yeah, just want to say thank you guys for having me on. Really excited about this. Glad we were able to connect at FinCon. So the Financial Independence Show, or the Five Show for short, we started this podcast back in August of 2018. So it's been going for over five years at this point. My co-host, Justin Taylor, and we kind of bring two flavors of fives, what we like to say. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm so against corporate. Like I'm not a corporate guy. I worked in corporate for seven months. Didn't work out for me. Went the entrepreneurial route. He crushes it in corporate, loves his job, is doing really well. We both reached financial independence at or below age 30. And so basically what we do on the show is we document our journey. We interview other people and talk about their journeys. And we're just trying to create a resource for those who want to achieve financial freedom and retire early or just, or at least have the option to retire early. Some people don't like the RE part of the FIRE movement, but at least having the option to not work is awesome because then you can just do whatever you want with your time. Very interesting. And uh, how'd you get started with the uh, FI show and uh, make it to where you are now? Started the podcast, honestly, because there wasn't many other young folks out there creating content at the time. So back in 2018, I was 22, I think, when I started the podcast. Yeah, I was 22 when I started the podcast. A lot of the voices in the space were like in their 30s and their 40s. It just wasn't that relatable to me. Like I was still living... I was living like a college kid. I was eating the cheapest food possible. I was super frugal. I was like sharing a room with my buddies. And so a lot of the content out there was like people had kids and, you know, people had these big fancy jobs that they'd had for 10 years. It just, it didn't pertain to me. And I was like, I, I would like a voice like myself out there. So I will be that voice for other people. So that was kind of the genesis of the podcast is I just hit go, hit record, put that first episode out. It is so cringy to listen back to that first episode. But now, you know, 300 episodes later, it's uh, it's improved a lot and we've we've helped a lot of people. So it's been a wild journey, man, but totally worth it. Yeah, there you go. It's the classic adage of be the change you want to see in the world. If, you, if there's nothing out there that you like, go make it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, out of curiosity, how did you and uh, Justin meet up? How did you guys uh, uh, start this podcast? Yeah. So through the financial independence, retire early, the fire community, we actually both went to a meetup. It's called Camp Fi. It was down in Arkansas in 2018. And just by happenstance, he was actually living in Boston at the time. I'm from Massachusetts, but he's from Mississippi originally, lived in Boston for a couple of years. So like the craziest circumstances, but we met, we headed off. He, He was a lot of fun. He was knowledgeable. He just had like a totally different story than I did, which I found really interesting. Like Grew up in extreme poverty. And then, like I said, went the corporate route, was saving 80 to 90% of his income through a bunch of frugal hacks. And so I was like, hey, man, like, you want to do a podcast together? Like, I I find it easier. And obviously, you guys too, having a co-host because they can hit different angles. They might ask a question that you weren't thinking about. It just, it takes a little bit of the burden off of your shoulders. So if you need someone to you know help with show notes, you need someone to work with affiliates and sponsors, you need someone doing this, doing that. Now, instead of just, all of it falling on my shoulders. Now I have someone to kind of partner with me and make the whole process a lot easier. 
Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. I, I guess uh, let's move on to to hear about to hearing about you as an investor on your website. Of course, it says you were basically retired in your twenties. So, how would you characterize your uh, investment style slash approach as it is now? Like, what asset classes do you own? Equities, bonds, real estate, maybe some alternative assets. How do you how do you think about uh, your asset allocation now? So when you talk about me like that, I sound like I, you know, hit it big with one of these like meme coins or something and like, you know, retired in my 20s. But I'm actually pretty conservative on the investment front. I'm very aggressive and risk taker on the active income front. So as an entrepreneur, like I am extremely ambitious. I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to shove a lot of money into projects that may or may not work. But on the investment front, it's like straight index funds for me when it comes to the stock market. I used to do a ton of individual stock picking. In college, I studied finance and economics. So I was like building out DCS, discounted cash flow analysis on like Google Sheets and Excel. I was like reading 10K reports for all these different companies and day trading. And sometimes I won big, but other times I lost money. And after taking like a real hard look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, am I really spending dozens of hours per week to like maybe barely outperform the market sometimes? It's like, eh. No, I'm going to focus more on entrepreneurship. So that was that's kind of my stock market investing style. It's it's just index funds. And it's honestly just a couple of index funds. Like I have just like total stock market index funds. I have a couple of like total bond market index funds and a couple of international index funds. And that's it for me on in the stock market. And then I have probably, so that's probably like 40 to 45% of my net worth is in the stock market. And then I have another like 40, 45. I don't know the exact amounts right now because property prices are always moving. The other 40, 45 is in real estate. So I have multifamily, long-term rentals. I have a couple of Airbnbs I'm currently in the process of doing two flips or partnering on flips with a general contractor. So again, that's why the network net, net worth is always kind of in flux. And then the remaining like five to 10% on any given day is cash. I have a little bit of crypto, some Bitcoin and Ethereum and I don't usually count this, but just for the sake of a podcast, I have like some angel investments. Like I've done some seed funding into some startups. So that's pretty much everything on the investing front for me. Very cool. So you've got a kind of different approach to investing versus the active income that you generate. How do you evaluate those opportunities and uh, pick uh, what you want to focus on, on the active income side? That's a good question. So I just am an experimenter. Um, I have... I think learned, I used to be really scared of failure. And I feel like growing up in our culture, like failure is like, you know, everyone gets a trophy kind of mentality where you don't want to be a loser. You don't want to like get knocked down. Like it's embarrassing. But as an entrepreneur, like you have to be okay with failure. So I started my first company, like my my first legitimate company, my sophomore year of college, actually since shut that down, uh, I've had like 25 failed side hustles in between now and then. And honestly, I feel like every single time I fall down and get up, like I'm a little bit stronger. So this is a very long winded answer to your question, but I think I am just willing to take it a risk on a new opportunity. If it works out awesome and I'll keep running with it and I'll pour more resources, time, money, energy into it. But if it doesn't and it fails, I'm fine with that too. Like I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go cry about it and wallow in my pity because it didn't work out like my big idea. It's fine. Like not everything's going to work out. So that's kind of how I approach things. Like I, I still am excited. And I just told you guys before we hit go here, I just started a new, just inked a new joint venture yesterday. I'm like super excited about that. Something completely new in a new space that I'm not familiar with, but 
I, you know, I, I have high hopes. If it works out, awesome. If it doesn't, well, that sucks. But I, I'm going to learn a lot along the way. Interesting. So, so you have almost like a approach where you're you're harvesting money from these different projects that you're working on, different businesses, and then you're putting that and laying that compound in the market, mainly with with equities and then some of those other you know startups, crypto, and then having some cash on hand. So, is that kind of how you think about it? Take a lot of risk, make a lot of different bets find what works. And then when you found those different channels that are working, put that money to work uh, sort of and let compound in the, in the stock market. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And I know it sounds like I have you know 25 different businesses going on, but honestly, it's just a couple of really profitable ones. And then the ones that don't work out, they'll kind of just fall off. So for me right now, it's like digital products. That's like my main focus. It's printables, eBooks, online courses, and some of these joint ventures kind of fall under that bucket. Then real estate is another one of those like kind of big bucket income streams for me. And then the podcast. And that's pretty much it. Like those are like my big three focus areas right now. And then I'll, like I just mentioned, I'll, I'll dabble. And if something, if something else, like maybe in five years from now, if we were to repeat this interview, it would be completely different. I'm not sure, but those are kind of the, the big three for me right now. And then I just shovel all the money I'm making from those into pretty safe asset classes that I know are going to yield a pretty decent return. I think where a lot of people make a mistake, actually, especially in the fire movement, people will try to like eke out, you know, 1% or 2% or even 5% better returns before they accumulate a lot of capital. It's like you should be focusing in the early days, you should be focusing all of your time and energy on accumulating as much capital, like basically building up your income generating power. Because if you only have 10 grand or even like 100 grand in the stock market or whatever, going, you know, making 12% versus 10%, okay, awesome. You just made like two grand difference. But if you're earning 50K and you learn how to make 75K, like that's going to be a lot more powerful, especially over the long run. You compound that over decades. I think a lot of people get that wrong. And so that that's kind of what I've discovered is like, I'm going to, at least in the early years, different conversation. If it's like Warren Buffett and you're managing a billion dollars, the difference between 10 and 11% is a lot. It's a lot of money. But for the average Joe and Jane who are in their 20s or 30s and they're kind of just getting their investment journey started, I think it's a lot smarter to focus on boosting your earning potential rather than trying to like find the best investment vehicle ever. On this point, I'm curious to hear what you think is the number one or number two obstacle that Americans have when it comes to them reaching financial independence, not even the retire early part, just the FI part. Discipline, man. It is discipline. I mean, it's the same thing with money, with dieting. I think a lot of people know that they shouldn't do what they're doing. They know that they shouldn't lease that car. They know it's not smart to spend 50% of their income on that new apartment downtown. They know that they shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that. But the allure is just, it's too, it's too bright. Like it just, it sucks them in. And I think it's like the same thing. I like drawing the analogy with like food and dieting. So same thing is like, People know that they shouldn't be eating all this junk food. People know that they should work out, but they don't because they lack discipline. I think that's the biggest hurdle that people have to overcome if they want to, I mean, achieve any goal really and financial independence being one of them. That makes sense. And so I think that is a really good summary of what you do as an investor. I'm pretty curious to hear about uh, your podcast, The FI Show. How do you decide what topics to talk about on your podcast? A lot of it now is audience-based. So we'll ask our audience what type of content you're looking for. And that's kind of a really cool side benefit of building out our show over the past several years is now we can send a post in our Facebook group or we can email our email list and ask people what topics they want to see covered. And they're like, 
building generational wealth or tax planning or crypto or tax loss harvesting. So then we get ideas and then we can, Justin and I aren't experts on every single topic. So that's when we go and find a guest who is an expert in said topic and interview them. And also another really good one is when we have like a really interesting or good guest on, we'll be like, hey, do you have anyone else like you, like anyone else who is really interesting that you think would make a great fit for our show? And usually they have two or three friends that they recommend to us. Sometimes we get one or two of them on the show. And so, yeah, we have a lot of people ask me, like, you've had 300 episodes. Haven't you run out of content ideas? Like, haven't you run out of people to interview? It's like, not at all. It's I feel like once we, you know, the more people we have on, the more ideas, the more other guests we get introduced to. So it's kind of a, a never ending a hamster wheel in a good way where we, we kind of never run out of content or guest ideas because we're constantly getting pitched new guests from our existing guests and the audience is telling us what they want to hear. What's the uh, what's the most unexpected or interesting uh, topic that you've had someone suggest? Oh, had someone suggest? I feel like we've had some that we just didn't go forward with because they probably weren't very good suggestions. I think, let's see. I'm trying to think of one from recently where we had someone. I'll give an example of an odd interview. And while I'm telling that story, I'll, it'll probably come to me trying to think of one of these topics that maybe we didn't go forward with that someone requested but we actually had a guy on who have you guys seen the movie 21 like the card counters yeah so yeah that was a really cool episode of colin jones and he basically achieved financial freedom by playing blackjack like he got really good at card counting built up this team with his buddies and they made like eight figures from casinos in a couple of years over a 10 million dollar operation and then he just like puts it into index funds and stuff, which is really cool to see. It's like kind of like me where he's really aggressive on the active income front. And then he just like redistributes that money into less risky investments once he once he has the money on hand. So that was a really cool episode. And I actually did think of a pretty good one for you, Preston, for someone who was requesting a topic. They were asking for like the most obscure side hustles, but they gave us some they gave us some examples. I don't know what, how much more in depth I want to go, but like one of them was like sperm bank stuff and plasma and the donating the poop stuff. They really wanted us to deep dive and they gave us like a laundry list of stuff. We didn't end up making that episode, but maybe someone else will. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, to each is their own. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did listen to the Colin Jones episode. Uh, I think he started out as like a substitute math teacher. Math teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is, um, which like kind of makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, it's a lot of, probability and numbers involved with thinking about how the odds of blackjack will, will play. Yeah. Preston is a, is a pretty big poker player actually. Okay. So cool. That's awesome. Well, well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not really a side hustle, you know, just for fun. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> not yet. Yeah. <laughs> so if the startup doesn't go our way, maybe we will pivot into a different operation. <laughs> Perfect. Keep your options open. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just like having the option to retire early. Mm-hmm. Um, for you guys at the FI show, what are some future plans uh, that you guys have? Uh, that you guys have maybe any uh, particular topics or projects that you guys want to uh, dedicate more time to in the future. I mean, in the immediate future, we're wrapping up. We're recording this. I'm not sure when this is going out, but we're recording this in November 2023. So we're doing some like end of year planning kind of, we're having like a tax expert on next week. So some of that stuff, just like making sure you're cleaning up your books, making sure you're taking advantage of every advantage that you can take advantage of. It's basically like making sure that people are all, they got all of their T's crossed and their I's dotted for year end. That's kind of what we're focusing on the immediate future. But like zooming out, 
in the next couple of years, I think we're probably going to operate the Fi show pretty similarly to how it is now, just bringing on guests. Justin and I sometimes do solo episodes where we'll share our our expertise on certain topics. We'll look at news articles. We'll we did one that was really fun. It was like the top the, like the top ten worst personal finance takes, and we just took some awful takes from Twitter and Instagram, and that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of just bringing on interesting guests and showing listeners different ways that they can reach financial independence because not everyone's situation is the same. Not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone wants to invest in real estate. Not everyone wants to just do the index funds thing. So like we got to have a, a, a path, a, a style for, for everyone. So that's kind of what we're going to be continuing with the podcast and just showcasing a bunch of different people doing uh, doing this whole financial independence thing. Are there any other sort of podcasters or writers or other creators out there that that you really look up to and either as a source of inspiration for the Fi show or um, that you just listen to on your own for your own personal education. I got to give a shout out to my buddy, Brian Lubin, because we do a weekly podcast. He does a daily podcast, Action Academy, a daily podcast. I'm like, dude, how do you how do you keep up with that? So he has an awesome podcast. Got to give him a shout out for ones that I listen to. I used to listen to a lot of financial ones, but I feel like sometimes you get to a point and like maybe once you hit financial freedom, I'm not sure exactly where this happens for other people. But like for me now, I'm a lot more interested in like the business building side of things or like even like philosophy and those types of podcasts and just like um, self-improvement and fitness. I feel like since I've kind of, I don't want to say I beat the money piece, but like I don't need any more money to sustain my lifestyle. Like I've, I've reached financial independence. My passive cash flow covers my bills and then some. Um, so yeah, for me, it's a lot of like, like I like Tim Ferriss. I like like Jocko Willink and Andrew Huberman and like Peter Atia and, uh, well on the business front, I like, I love Alex Hermosi and his stuff. His podcast is really good. Um, yeah, man, there's a, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested. I'm interested in a wide span of topics, but I've, I've definitely dialed back my personal finance consumption. I, I also feel like it's because I don't want to copy other people. So if I'm putting out personal finance content, like I don't want to listen to one and then regurgitate a lot of the stuff they're saying just because I just listened to it. And then I'm hopping on and recording with Justin an hour later. So yeah, that's, that's kind of uh, that's kind of the stuff I consume. A lot of a lot of podcasts, a lot of audiobooks too. Oh, very interesting. I have heard of uh, a couple of those folks. Recently, I've been listening to quite a bit of Lex Friedman. Oh, nice. um, it's uh, his podcast. I don't know if you could even call it a podcast. They're like books, uh, the <laughs> guests that he has on. Uh, there's some overlap between what uh, you and I listen to there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I've definitely listened to some of his podcasts. They are a little long. They're very like Joe Rogany, where they're those guys go for four hours. It's like, oh. like sometimes um, I'll listen to a podcast like at the gym or while I'm like cooking or you know doing dishes or something like that. And so I I like like short little quick bites that I can get. Sometimes a four hour podcast is just like. No, <laughs> I don't have time for that right now. Do you think they take bathroom breaks when they record that? A hundred percent. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I I know they do for a fact. <laughs> I see. Oh, I guess the editing is just pretty smooth. You would yeah, never be able exactly. To so. <laughs> they definitely are taking bathroom breaks. Yeah. Because you talked so much about entrepreneurship and building and scaling businesses, uh, I have to ask, what keeps you inspired slash motivated? You know, earlier you talked about how everyone internalizes failure, especially in America, that's interpreted as something bad. So how do you get over failures and how do you how do you get motivated to, to start your day, even if things aren't going your way per se? 
I think motivation for me, I almost kind of see business as a game now, whereas before everything was like money driven. And a lot of my decisions were just like finance first. Like I am going to do like, I'm going to rent this apartment because it's cheaper, or I'm going to pursue this business because it's making me a lot of money. Now it's like, I can pursue this venture because it sounds fun or it sounds like a good challenge for me, or I want to, I feel like I'm in a privileged place where I can do that. But honestly, that makes it's not like I have to like dig deep to find motivation. Like I'm actually genuinely excited about the things I'm working on because it's like, it's just something new. And I know for you guys, like something like a startup is just so fun. Like uh, everyone is not cut out to be an entrepreneur, but th- for those who are like when things go wrong and then you figure it out, like it's like the best feeling in the world. Like, if everything just went smoothly, it'd be so boring. The fun part of entrepreneurship is when stuff goes wrong and you got to figure out how to fix it. And then once you, once you figure that out, you just feel like a superhero for me. It's uh. Yeah, the mo- motivation comes easy when you're when you're really excited about what you're working on. Kind of, you know, building on that, you know, you talked a bit about how early on you you were, had done uh, some stock picking and and that was uh, an approach you had taken, and then you you shifted over time. You know, what is one lesson that you wish you kind of could have told yourself when you were just starting out on your journey? I'm fortunate that I started this pretty early, so I don't have like a ton of regrets or things that I would probably change. But I think something I could have done better is lean on other people's strengths instead of always trying to DIY it. I think a lot of people, especially in my community, will want to just DIY everything. They're they're super frugal. They don't want to hire out or maybe they're prideful and they don't want to admit that someone might be better, better than them at something. I think I probably could have accelerated my career a lot faster if I just basically asked for help when I needed it instead of watching you know, 40 hours of YouTube and Google tutorials trying to figure something out, like just maybe join a community and ask the question. And maybe it's, maybe it's a paid community, but you know, five years ago, I never would have paid to be in a community now. Like I, now that I have money and less time, I am more willing to pay for answers than try to DIY them myself. And I wish I started doing that earlier, but I just, I couldn't see the forest through the trees. So it was just like, no, I'm, I'm frugal. I'm DIY. I can figure this out. You know, I'd spend 50 hours figuring something out that might have taken a pro 15 minutes to explain to me. So I definitely could have been better at that early in my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a saying, uh, penny wise, pound foolish. And uh, yeah. <laughs> it seems like now you've achieved the wisdom across the board. Exactly. Um, I'm definitely not like 100% there, but I'm, I'm getting better. I'm actively working on it. I used to be like allergic to spending money on like a course to now if I want to learn how to do YouTube ads. I'm not a pro at it. I would go and just buy someone's course who's a pro at YouTube ads instead of trying to teach myself for you know 50 plus hours and probably still making a ton of mistakes. Let someone else just guide me so I can avoid all those mistakes that I'm sure to make as a DIY guy. Wow. Uh, pretty good insights there, Cody. Th- thank thank you. you. Thank you. To wrap things up, we do have a series of rapid fire questions. So just give us whatever comes off the top of your head. First, uh, who is one of your favorite investors, Uh, either like a Warren Buffett type of investor or like maybe a mentor that's been really good about teaching the burr style of real estate investing or something like that? I'm going to go with the guy I mentioned earlier who had the podcast, Alex Hermosi. It's definitely an untraditional answer because he doesn't invest at all in the stock market. He just buys businesses. But his whole thing is, and I think he might have stole this from Warren Buffett, But I think Warren says you should invest in your circle of competence. So if you don't know anything about real estate, or if you know a little bit about real estate and a lot about stocks, then a lot of your money should be in stocks, a little bit in real estate. If you know a ton about business, like if you are, you just crush it at small business, 
then a pretty big percentage of your portfolio should be in small business. And so he's like a business whiz. So 90% or something like that, a really high percentage of his net worth is in business, which is just kind of an interesting way to think about investing and something that I've really taken to heart. Oh, uh, interesting. Um, for the for the next rapid fire, what's a underrated book or resource or uh, you know audiobook, podcast, anything that you really like to turn to? Is this about investing? Is this about entrepreneurship? Is this about anything? Can be about anything. Okay. I'm going to go with entrepreneurship here. And the one that changed my life was the four hour work week. I read that when I was 19. And just the idea of building an online business and passive income and hiring virtual assistants, none of that stuff was ever explained to me growing up. Like neither my parents or anyone in my immediate circle any like had anything remotely close to what Tim Ferriss is talking about. They're all working just normal, traditional jobs. And so that completely opened my eyes to this whole world of entrepreneurship and, you know, working, working way less than you, than in a 40 hour work week, if you want to. There you go. What is one of the worst investments that you've made in, in, in the time that you've been investing? Oh, a couple of them. Okay. I've had, I bought this property that was in like a C or D class neighborhood. Wasn't the best, <laughs> but like the numbers look great. I'm like, oh, this is going to cash flow like crazy. The one of the tenants got arrested on the porch. Like, oh, it was an, um, <laughs> the previous tenants before we bought it, like shoved a bunch of potatoes down the drain pipes. So the whole like sewer line backed up. We had a foot of standing sewer water in the basement. That one wasn't so good. So we ended up selling it for a profit, which is like, I don't, so I don't want to use that as my, it was a horrible investment but we didn't lose money, which is really lucky. But one of the ones where I did lose money was I put like not a bunch of money. It was like two grand or something in Solana, the crypto currency. I was supposed to back a bunch of these like NFT projects and it went down by like 94%. <laughs> so it's the lesson there. Don't put all your eggs in one basket because if it's, if you're going to take a speculative bet, like it could go to zero or close to it because now I think my $2,000 is like 140 or something. Wow, at least uh, the hundred and forty dollars is uh, like a, like a memento you can keep. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. it's a learning yeah. lesson. Yeah. And and on the on the real estate investment that went sour, even though you didn't lose money, that was a lot of time and I'm sure concern that occupied yeah. that lived you know rent free in your head. So uh, now so, it's just a funny story to tell in podcasts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And last uh, question for you. And I'm sure this will redeem the question about your worst investment. Uh, the question is, what is one of the best investments that you've made? I'm going to take an untraditional answer here and investing in relationships. I would not be even close to where I am today if I didn't go out on a limb and forge relationships, forge partnerships. Like all of my most successful businesses, I have a business partner in and we complement each other's strengths. Like I'm good at things that they are not good at and they're good at things that I'm not good at. So I have like invested heavily in college. Actually, I had a spreadsheet, a Google sheet with like, I think it was like 700 and something names because like, that's how I would network. I would write someone's name down. I would write like a little memento about them, like something that I remember, something special. And I would like date last contacted and some other notes and I would just like follow up. So I've, I've like, I definitely wasn't like a pro at it at first, but it's like it's a, a skill that I've learned over the past decade or so. And it's really paid dividends is like actually tr like treating networking like a job, not just like a random thing where you just like say hey to someone and you get coffee with them, like actually maintaining those relationships in a strategic way. And 
yeah, like I said, I don't think I would be even close to as far along as I am today if I wasn't investing so much time and energy into networking. Alrighty, there you have it. Uh, Cody, thank you so much for your differentiated takes. I feel like thus far, the folks that have come on to the Time in the Market podcast have been deep in the stock research or uh, or deep in the fundamental analysis. Your view about financial independence in general is like a big picture take and uh, a lot of good answers, albeit uh, a little bit uh, unconventional as well. Appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm glad I, I I'm glad I could come on here and you know have a have a little bit of a different voice than some of your other guests. Trying to make people think a little bit differently. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, there you have it. Uh, thank you so much once again, Cody. Uh, my name is Stephen, along with Preston Yadigar. We will see everybody next time.